Hi, folks. This is producer Gil Lamar. It's happened again. The signal from our sister station seems to have bled into our show. The audio is faint and shouldn't detract from this fine episode featuring City Winery's Michael Dorff. Yes, that famed music and event promoter is Judd's guest. Consider it a musical party happening around you as you enjoy this lively show. And now, Judd's Napa Valley Show. Hi, this is Random Guy uh, walking around Napa. Judd brings me on his show sometimes. I don't know. Uh, so, Dude, you were carrying a microphone and a tape recorder. What did you expect? Well, you, he brings me on the show. Anyway, for the this podcast, Judd's going to be having on Michael Dorff, proprietor of City Winery. Wait, that's the, the, the City Winery, like in Chicago and... New York? Yeah, man. That's, wow. that's the one. Wait, this is the guy who, who, who started the Knitting Factory? Is that right? Yeah. That's pretty good. He also produces concerts at Carnegie Hall. Right. That's the guy. Okay. So why is he on your show? I don't... <laughs> they don't have to be insulting about it. Well, no. I just... I, I, you know, that's great for you. I, I don't know what he gets out of it. Anyway, you should come to, to Judd's, Judd's Winery. I, this is what he says. You come visit in the southern end of the Silverado Trail, or you can go to... Yeah, that's right. Judshill.com. I've been there. It's great. I'm that wasn't the enthusiasm I was looking for. I'm but. just a random guy off the street. Okay. I don't I don't I don't have anything invested in this. You know, Judd does a lot of, of great videos and parties and, and you guessed that he makes some incredible wines, I've been told. Oh come on. You've what? had the wine. You weren't so hip on it? It's no, it's the best. From the one swig you you parted with to give to me on the show. I'm just a random guy off the street. What do I know? Type in coupon code JNVS in lowercase letters on judshill.com and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. Yeah, you can't. That's pretty good. Even for a guy like me walking around on the street, I think that's good. So join Judd's Hill Wine Club. Maybe you'll get an even better deal. I don't really know much. I, I Like I said, I'm just a guy who's walking around the streets of Napa who comes on the show sometimes. My name is Phil. And now, Michael Dorff. Go get him. Thanks, Phil. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now... Live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Chad Fingelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. How Tom, are you, sir? Doing great, Judd. Nice to be back here today. It's nice to have you back. You had your very first professional MC gig last week. How'd that go? It went great. Tell us a little about it. Well, I was invited by the Area 4 board uh, from Vallejo to let me speak at this Employment First Conference at North Bay Regional Center. And what what is that? Uh, it's just to help individuals with disabilities find like integrated employment. Perfect. And what was your what was your task as the MC? How did you keep the show going? Oh, just to introduce the main guest speakers. Yeah, and you were well received. I did. Standing applause. Uh, <laughs> I almost thought I was going to expect that, but 
Apparently not. What does one wear? Were you in like a white tuxedo and bow tie? Uh, no, actually, I was in a uh, uh, a light blue shirt and a special uh, gray tie with with special blue stripes on it. Both of them are which from Men's Warehouse. I just bought them over there. And I tell you, Judd, I guarantee it. <laughs> well, you look sharp. No, always, always. You're always a very well-dressed young man, put together, good sense of style. We appreciate that here on the radio. Well, thank you, John. If only we had a webcam. You've been lobbying for that. You oh, want yeah. a webcam here. Yeah. Whereas I like the theater of the mind. Just yeah. kind of we talk about things, let folks get their own impressions. Yeah. But let it be known, listeners, Lorne Mole, one sharp dresser. Men's Warehouse. Should we give him another plug? Men's Warehouse. I guarantee, <laughs> guarantee it. it. Okay. They should buy some time on the station now. We've got some events coming up here. In fact, we haven't introduced our guest, but he's welcome to pipe in here because this first, we'll introduce you in a minute, but if you want to pipe in, this first event I'm going to talk about is at your establishment. I'm just curious. Are you guys born with radio voices? Uh, both of you have very good radio voices. Why, thank you, mystery guest. It's in the water here. It's in the wine. Wow. Yeah, and he's you're barely old enough to drink, but I, I guess you've been maybe having little sips growing up, and it made your voice sound like a radio announcer. Well, fairly not. It, it wasn't the beverages, though. Okay, well, we'll learn your secrets another time. That's a new gig for you. You can sell My Secrets of Being a Radio Announcer by Lauren Mole. Sign up for my seminar Tonight at the Oakland Airport Hilton. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so June 14th coming up. A very exciting date for Judd's Hill, my family's winery here in Napa Valley. This is our 25th anniversary year, and we are celebrating our thank you with a party at the City Winery, June 14th at 6.30 p.m. in the private dining room. Do you want to you want to mention something? This I, is I, I, I'm flabbergasted. Um, no, we're excited to have you. I wish we... Uh, 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 I wish I could be there. I'm going to be back in New York, unfortunately. You are a New Yorker um, at heart. I know. I, That's well, where not, your base is. Not just real, I'm actually a wine guy at heart, but ah. you know, I happen to have my family living in lower Manhattan, so right. um, I can't uh, bring them here yet. But nonetheless, I whether would you, you would, will be there in spirit, yeah, you are offering your beautiful place, and we're going to have a great time. This private dining room only holds about 30 people, so I haven't checked in on ticket sales. We let it be known a week or so ago, so I, I hope there's tickets left. If you want to check it out, uh, you can go on the City Winery website, which why don't you give that right now, Mr. Well, Guest? CityWinery.com. CityWinery.com. Also, Judshill.com on the events page has all the information as well. That's June 14th, City Winery, Judd's Hill 25th anniversary party. Uh, locally sourced ingredients uh, crafted into a fabulous multi-course meal paired with our wines and lots of fun surprises, which is the hallmark of a Judd's Hill event. Then June 29th is the famous barbecue and beer battle benefiting the Napa Valley Education Foundation's Music Connection Program, ensuring that musical instruments and instruction are available in our public schools. What's better than that? Come out June 29th, 1 p.m. at Napa Valley Marriott. You get to vote who is going to be crowned king of Napa Valley Barbecue. Four-time and current champion Pat Burke has retired from competition. And a previous guest. And he was a previous guest as well. Um, he's retired from competition. He will be there, so you can meet him, say hi. But he will be there judging as well. We have Chef Joey Ray from Napa Valley Marriott going up against Jonathan Bodnar of Smokeville, the two great barbecue chefs. Look at that, and uh, you can also get information on that um, at judshill.com on our event page. Those are the plugs of great events coming up. Lauren, would you like to introduce our guest so he is no longer a mystery? Well, it's time we revealed his identity, Judd. <laughs> okay. He's got a swell venue. 
historic and pretty. A great place to dine, and here, a fine ditty. A sold-out show? You got no ticket? What a pity. That's the way it goes at this winery called City. The man in charge is here, of course, so let's welcome to our show the boss. Michael Dorf. Hey, Michael. <laughs> Michael Dorf, wow. proprietor almost, of City Winery. Thank you very much, Lauren. That was almost a poem. He's he's good. He's yeah. he's a professional, and he's getting paid to do this now. Um, thank you for joining us, Michael Dorf, proprietor of City Winery, new in Napa, but this has been happening in New York for some time. Glad to have you here. There's so much to talk to you about. Um, Ask I, away. I'll answer almost anything. Okay, okay. Well, I want to find out. You know, before we get into what's happening right here in Napa, let's just find out a little bit about about you. You've become this um, influential guy. I know I've read you don't like the word impresario, even though it's been used, but so I won't use that. But um, what what do you? Well, it's care an impressive word, uh, it's but right it just there. seems a little bit big and and sounds like P.T. Barnum. And some days there's no <laughs> question I I feel like P.T. But uh, uh, I, it's not what I'm aspiring, you know, to be. Well, tell us about, you have been involved in the New York City music scene for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, You're the founder of the famous club, The the Knitting Factory. And when did that get going up? That was 1987. 87. You know, I've been a wannabe musician forever. Um, My friends, when I grew up, were really talented, natural musicians. You know, could sit on a piano after listening to radio and play it. And I sucked at guitar. I took oh, lessons. No. I tried. I just couldn't do it. So I was always the guy behind the soundboard. And in order for me to uh, to to go to the gigs, I had to be part of the the sort of the, the back end of, of mm. producing them. So, you know, I started getting my friends' bar mitzvah gigs and and <laughs> and high school you know shows, uh, and then in college, and and then it just kept growing. So basically, I I, I built a coffee shop come music venue in lower Manhattan, uh, basically took all my Wisconsin savings where, where I was from and, 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 and put it into this coffee shop and it turned into the knitting factory. Okay. Um, I was for a minute going to call it expressoism because um, <laughs> I was into the idea of combining art and poetry and, uh-huh. and dance and all in one space and, but, but really needed to figure out a way to, to pay the rent and to live in, in New York. Mm-hmm. So, uh, started selling coffee and tea, and within another month, you know, wine and beer. And then we eventually took over a restaurant that was below us because we were making too much noise and got their liquor license. And then eventually, after Sonic Youth played one night, we oh, took wow. over the apartment above us because they moved out the next day because it was a little <laughs> loud. And next thing you know, we just kept growing and growing. And part of it was necessity. Part of it was, you know, required uh, by the landlord. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it just kept growing and, and having a lot of fun. And But I've always considered myself a professional fan. And and just right. love being involved in in that industry of music, and on some level, that's where what I'm doing now. I'm I'm a big fan of wine, and have been for a long time, and and want to play uh, with with people in the wine world, and right. and thus uh, City Winery. Well, it's an amazing start. I mean, and this all this all came with money you had squirreled away, like bar mitzvah money. Yeah. I mean, most people think you know, okay, that's going to go to college. It'll ensure a future. You'll get a nice, respectable job after an education. But amazing, um, this well, the way you know, it turned out in in the seventies uh, and eighties, and actually my children too. I think there's the same amount. If you're kind of a, a, a 
middle-class family, Jewish, you end up having this ritual, and and somehow you net, and this is this is this is mandated deep in the historic you know Bible. You make somewhere between eight and twelve thousand um, dollars, <laughs> and it comes from relatives, and whatever, and it that's goes in the bank. Haul, right? It's in that. It's in, it, and that's if you return some items and and you know oh, right, get, right, get right. cash and receipts. Sure. So you get this number, and then your parents for the next five years say you're going to save for college, mm-hmm. and then sometimes it does go into college. Sometimes it's you know it's 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 put away even longer. In my case, my my parents said, listen, why don't we co-sign some of the student loans and we'll go to college and save this nest egg. Okay, um, very good. And 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 frankly, I, I I was building rack rooms in Wisconsin because I've always liked to build and, and you know put up paneling. I'd go in with a clipboard and say, you should do tile ceiling here and a wet bar here. And, you know, and so I did that for a few years uh, over the summer and really didn't get much of a, of a fun, but, you know, it was literally about 20 grand to to, to start the the knitting wow. factory and that that's all that was needed back back in those days we did a lot of things illegally um, I will admit and and you know the building department was a little less scrutinizing um, yeah. right on Houston Street 1987 we were some of that 20,000 maybe went into some was, well we, we were flanked inspectors. in between two um, the, the area was was actually very much a mob neighborhood oh. um, and but we didn't make enough money doing avant-garde jazz and oh, they weren't interested that, in you well the great story was there was a you know there were guys from the family who came into the to the bar when we took over the restaurant below. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there was something to look at, oh. and these two guys, and we were, and we knew who they were. Sat down at the bar, and they observed everything all night. And they looked at the cash register, and they counted people, and they were they were really just seeing what what were we grossing, right? And they, at the end of the night, I talked to them, and <laughs> and they're like, you know. You're just really not making enough for uh, for us to, you know, have, uh, you know, an agreement. And but it was towards the end of the year. And then several weeks later, we got a giant box of pasta from Italy with no English on it whatsoever. It had no stamps of, you know, so it had been brought into the country through a back door, and it had a big, you know, welcome to the neighborhood and and Merry Christmas. No kidding. And uh, it was kind of a nice reminder of, of who was uh, in the neighborhood. We actually wow. had an art opening then a few months later, uh, and and John Gotti came through the place. Wow. Um, and so we, you know, there was always a reminder of, of who was in the neighborhood, and uh, we were everything was always cool. They didn't. They didn't bug you. You weren't. You were weren't big enough. <laughs> Not making any money. Avant garde jazz just really, you know, doesn't really help the mob. Okay. Well, at least they were nice neighbors. They were great neighbors. And then it, it sounded like it, it. It expanded, expanded. And at some point, you had to move. You're, the knitting factory didn't stay in that. Yeah, we, we location, moved right? in '94 to Tribeca, mm-hmm. which was a. Uh, a very interesting neighborhood. It's an amazing transformation, you know, in the 20 years since since we were there. Uh, but we found a great spot. There was the Tribeca Grill, the Drew Near Porrent thing, but Nobu wasn't down there yet, and 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 it was a it was a great neighborhood. And all of a sudden, within a few years, and it was had nothing to do with us being a catalyst. It just was the right timing and lack of Manhattan real estate. The neighborhood became a very, very fashionable neighborhood. You don't want to take credit for um, that? 
no, no. It's huh? I, I like taking credit for a lot of things, that, but that one I would uh, say we just rode the white way. But we did pick the right neighborhood, right, right. And there is no way that we would ever be able to reopen a, a, a club in Lower Manhattan with such condensed and high-valued real estate and especially residential mm-hmm. that you could you could operate that way. Uh, but it, it 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 was it was great, and then. You know, things happened after 9-11 to sort of slowly deravel, for me, the interest in, mm. in running a um, kind of a smaller rock club. Uh, and, and, that, and I ended up leaving a few years after that. But, yeah, Tribeca was a phenomenal uh, neighborhood. And, and I lived there. And, I, uh, you know, I got an apartment at that time and got in right, you know, before the crazy real estate, you know, wave. Um, so I feel very lucky and blessed in that way. And it's a terrific neighborhood to live. And my kids go to public school and have a lot of friends in the neighborhood. Sadly, you know, the artist friends that I have, some painter friends and, and musicians, had to leave just because it was, it became unsustainable to live in the neighborhood. And basically from 98 to, say, 2005, you know, just bankers and lawyers and uh-huh. real, you know, ridiculous and a lot of, you know, actors and comedians and, right. you know, John Stewart is a neighbor and, you know, it's, it's a pretty So there's those types of artists, but not the... Um... Not, not the ones who are making a lot of money are living right. in the neighborhood. Right. Now, what do your, what's the family think, uh, you know, what do they think of this trajectory when they were, you know, putting the money away? They probably had some ideas. You'd, you go to college, you become a doctor, you'll become yeah. a, you know, whatever. And then My parents were this... freaked when they came yeah. to visit me on Houston Street, For, you know, I, I know I'm completely bald now, but I, I, I did have long hair, and I, I used to wear barrettes, and I had some wacky clothes, and and they came to visit me, and and my mom truly started crying. I mean, when she oh, saw no. she saw the the Avon office that we were renovating, yeah. and I was telling them that we pay, we're paying eighteen hundred dollars a month in rent, which for Milwaukee standards at the time that was completely out of our mind. Right? right, and um, and and they saw this dilapidated office that we were renovating into into the knitting factory. She she thought I had truly lost my mind and was was completely whack. And 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 then for about six months after we started getting some press and the Village Voice and even the New York Times, they were still very concerned. When an article finally came out in the Milwaukee Journal, I had made it. Yeah, at that point, as soon as it, we hit the Milwaukee Journal, everything was okay. News their, got to Milwaukee. Their, their son has finally achieved something, and, and they've been extremely supportive. And they come out, you know, I do this annual tribute at Carnegie Hall every year. And I want to talk about they that. They come yeah. out, and, you know, they don't, they don't like Prince or Bob Dylan, but they, <laughs> they come out and they, they, they love to sit in the audience and see me make my opening remarks. And oh, they're just, great. you know, they're very proud, supportive parents. They're probably still concerned, but just in different ways. Now it's, did he take a sweater? I read it's cold in New York, you know. Well, I think they're very concerned about the way I'm raising my children, my oh. wife and I in Manhattan, and that we're, you know, that they don't get on a bike and, you know, ride to school. And, you know, it's a different different lifestyle being in Manhattan. I would imagine we get there about once a year. We're in uh, Manhattan. I think about that. I've got kids. We bring them. And we see the, the, the kids at school walk by the schoolyards. And I think, what a different life this is. I mean, it might as well be planet Neptune um, compared to what I had growing up here in Napa Valley and the experience being a, a kid in New York. Yeah, we've been out uh, to dinner with friends who have a little kid. And the, the, the couple want to stay. They put the kid in a cab to 
just, you know, by himself. Like, you know, just here's the key, you know, grab a cab and go home. What a d- the first the first time my kids when they were uh, thirteen um, said, "Hey, Dad, you know we're we're gonna uh, skateboard up to Central Park mm-hmm. with some other friends, and and can we have a few dollars because we'd like to you know um, have dinner?" And I'm like, "Well, at home." And they're like, "Well, no, we we're thinking of hanging out, you know, and going to Shake Shack." Yeah. You know, whoa, you know, it just it was. Very disconcerting to think of them in Manhattan on their own and, you know, taking the subway. And and it took a while to get over that. But they're city kids now. And they're, you know, I I remember sleeping out for concert tickets Mm -hmm. a long time ago and, 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 and doing kind of the camping in line with fellow teenagers. My, my son Zachary is a sneakerhead and loves you know, buying and trading sneakers. And it makes oh, sense wow. in this world of a lot of digital things to have something very tactile to be able to have in your hand and oh, trade. So sense. the sneaker thing has really gone wild. And 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 they've gotten very smart. Nike releases these limited editions, and they mm-hmm. do it at a specific, you know, athlete's foot store, what have you, on 23rd Street. So he's been wanting to sleep out for the release with the other hundred kids who are sleeping on the sidewalk in Manhattan waiting for the release at seven in the morning the next day. And my wife and I were, you know, very, uh, uh, vexed over the, uh, (laughs) issue. And, um, uh, you know, but I'm a supporter of urban camping and the idea of this and she's not. And so, I mean, this is a different kind of challenge than, you know, sleeping in line for concert tickets, but it's it's very similar. We just have to adapt to the reality. And it's probably quite safe. You know, we're my family not particularly into the camping lifestyle. We did a camp out last weekend at uh, Connolly Ranch here, and um, in the middle of the night, I a wild turkey almost pecked my forehead. <laughs> now, now who's who's going to bug you in the streets of Manhattan with a hundred people in line, right? No, nobody's going to come peck your forehead. Um, Not these days. Yeah, right. It's pretty safe over there. I I would say you. I would feel safer probably sleeping there with a hundred people. Yeah, you get other kinds of things pecking your forehead, but um, not a while. Even these days, I'm told it's great. I've never felt weird walking around in the last few years. Um, you know, there's just weirdos, you know, it's a, when, when you have a lot of people, there's going to be a certain percentage of those people who are completely nuts and yeah. that hasn't changed, you know, they're dressed nicer, you know, okay. but there, there's, there's a lot of freaks out in the world, which I applaud and, 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 and I work with you them. You celebrate I work a lot of them. them. Yeah, I work with them. I've read I mean, your bio. Um, yeah. and I, so I, I applaud that, but they're out there. So you just have to be conscious. All right, so do they come out to Napa with you, the kids? Uh, as much as possible. Um, this summer, one of my—I have twin 15-year-olds and and uh, and a and a young daughter. Um, one of the boys is coming out for a couple weeks and right. wants to work, you know, uh, right. somehow in 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 the in the shop and ride the bike down the hill, you know, from our from our rented house and excited about that. And then my daughter wants to come out and yeah, so we I try. I'm trying to to you know. Have have my life fit their plans right now? Right, I'd be curious to see their reaction. Having been here a couple of weeks, I, I do love New York. And when we go, it's usually about a week at a time. I have the best time. I mean, so much fun. I mean, off the charts, without measure, a great time. But by the end of it, because I, you know, I grew up here in Napa Valley. I've got this kind of low key. Kind of, I like the slower. I love going yeah. to cities, but I, I enjoy. I, quiet. I love it out but here. But by the end of that week. Yeah. Um, 
even though I've had you know the best time of my life, like my hand is shaking a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's an intensity there. So I'm curious to see what their experiences come in the, the opposite way. If they'll just be grinding their teeth saying, there's nothing going on here, or if they'll, if they'll get into it. Well, they, they, they certainly believe that the Joel Gott hamburger yeah. is the finest you know, hamburger in that category okay. that they've ever had. You okay. know? And they're, they're, they're pretty good experts at, at that. They, you know, and they, they like Shake Shack a lot, but they think spot. his is, is better. And I think they're excited to try the burger fee or fi. I'm not sure. Yeah, how you just opened it. up burger fi. Burger fi. We're um, checking it out uh, tonight. I think. Uh, you know, but I, my my feeling is they're going to keep going to Joel Gotts. Yeah, yeah. They can make a whole survey. That could be a fun project for them. Yeah. Around Napa, where's the burger? Yeah. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear all about what's happening in Napa for our guest Michael Dorf, proprietor of City Winery, New York, Chicago. Napa, soon to come in other places. In Nashville. Can, Nashville, we can talk about all that stuff. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. And now, here he is, Napa Valley's ambassador of good times and fine wines, John Vingelstein. Thank you, Lauren Mole. You're welcome, John. There's something else you want to say? You look like you have more on your mind. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and streaming live in Washington, D.C. at KVON.com, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. <laughs> That's true. It's streaming live in Washington and anywhere the Internet can be had at KVON.com. Our guest today, Michael Dorr, proprietor of City Winery all over the country, going big. But I'm trying. But but most importantly to us in this show right now is that you've got a place open in Napa, well, which is very cool. We we love this jewel. Uh, I w- there's no question it's the best sounding city winery right now. The oh. the room is f- phenomenal uh, in terms of the the acoustics. It it was a hundred years ago. Sure. We added a little bit of better uh, Meyer uh, sound equipment, but the room is such a great room, and when it's filled with people, it sounds really, really good. And, it, yeah, I'll admit, it sounds better than Chicago and New York, and, and it's something for us to c- continue to aspire to. I love our, the restaurant we, we put in downstairs, so, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's my new favorite. Well, you're in the historic Napa Valley Opera House, which is built for sound over 100 years ago, yeah. and it, it's still proving to be true. Um, so what's what's tell us the philosophy. Wait a minute. What is before we get into that? What, what have you got here? You brought something for the goodie bag, well, you, didn't you? You asked it's a to, book. You asked to bring something odd to give away, and and that it should not be branded City yeah. Winery. So that was really a challenge because everything I got has a City Winery <laughs> logo on it that I want to give away. Um, but I realized that. Uh, on my dresser here was some books that came from Chicago because essentially I had an apartment in Chicago and I was building out the Chicago location and we just shipped it all out here, my underwear and clothes and you didn't and, want to give that and, away? and a book. And I had this and I got this book from somebody in Chicago, a guy named Doug, who has a agate publishing. We were talking about a, a book project. And so he brought me some books. And this one, the Wisconsin Supper Clubs was the most unique it, it's a beautiful book yeah. and it, it talks about these odd lodges and supper clubs in 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 deep parts of Wisconsin and I'm from Wisconsin so it it connected to me and it's a great book and I saw it and I was just it's such a it's an odd book in a rare oh. rare printing apparently oh. and so um I was thinking that could be interesting this, okay well this is a beautiful coffee table picture book 
And um, it's nice of you to bring it to me for the goodie bag, but would you mind if we shared it with somebody, somebody listening? That's, that's the idea. All right, listeners, if you want to get your hands on Judd's goodies, here's your chance. This is Wisconsin Supper Clubs, an old-fashioned experience brought to us by Michael Dorff. Um, <laughs> You can have this book if you're at your computer or your smartphone. Go on Twitter and just tweet, get in my hands on Judd's goodies with the hashtag, that's the pound sign, JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show. And the first one to do that, I'll, I'll bring this uh, book back to the winery. The first one to tweet with the hashtag JNVS, swing by the winery, it's yours. Now let's get back to City Winery, and thank you for this. This is my, cool. My I always pleasure. like giving away these oddball <laughs> things to the listeners. Um, City Winery in Napa, the, the, the philosophy, what's, what's happening there? We are presenting somewhere between 20 and 25 uh, cultural events every every month. Um, Singer-songwriters, things that are part of the, if you will, the network of the, the, the artists that we present in all of our facilities. Um, you know, tomorrow night or Thursday night is Dar Williams, and we just Ooh. had Stephen Stills. And yeah. so we do a lot of great singer-songwriter stuff, all available uh, online to be able to see what we have. And there's a lot of crossover between the artists. You know, we just put an offer in for Todd Rundgren, for example, for all four locations. And, oh, and uh, Boss Gags just came by the other night to see uh, a show just to check out the place when Steve Earle was playing and, you know, loved the room and wants to come in. So we're, cool. we're, 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 we're clearly a singer-songwriter bastion, if you will. Uh-huh. But our relationship with the Opera House is such that we're giving a certain number of dates back so that there can be sort of the typical uh, performance art center type uh, shows so we're jazz and opera and theater and and even some dance is a is a oh, yeah? possibility because it's a great big stage. Um, so all the performing arts are 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 still welcome there and and those will be presented by the the opera house. So it's going to be a you know it's a full slate of of shows and and activities. And then the room what we because we converted it from a, a fixed seat uh, space to a flat floor, which was the original design. Uh, we're now able to do a lot of private parties and events, so it's it's a it's a way to really use the room in in multiple ways. So we can do big wine tastings, we can do a fancy white tablecloth gala, you know, for two hundred people, weddings, bar mitzvahs. Sure, you know, that, I mean that that's Sky's a the limit. that's a part of our business, and and so we we hope to get to five to six seven nights a month as well that. You don't see on our calendar, but those are the private events that we do. And we do, we've already done a few fundraisers that we offered to some of the local charities in order to see how the place can operate as a fundraising facility. Because it really is, there aren't that many places, you know, where you have a big ballroom to be able to do a, a, a fundraiser. I mean, you have the Culinary Institute and That's you true. have Mum, you know, you have some beautiful places. We have theaters, which are great, but with all the seats in there, sometimes, you know, if people want to mingle or it's hard to do dance. Or, it's hard to have a dinner. Yeah. And speaking of dinner, I mean, you've got the full kitchen, amazing chef, and you serve dinner with every show, dinner, wine. Yeah, as much as you up, can consume. We, we encourage a <laughs> lot of consumption. <laughs> you've got a cool thing here. I mean, you are city winery. But this particular venue doesn't actually make wine. Right. Um, you serve some of your, the wine that's made in other city wineries, but you've also partnered we with We have your local. wine on tap, You do. Too. Thank you very much. So, Tell you know, us about so this program. We, in New York and Chicago and Nashville and where I hope a lot of places down the line, we actually make wine. Right? Mm-hmm. We, we, and we've been buying fruit from 
vineyards and from from some some middle folk and some wineries that have extra to sell in the Napa Valley now for six years. And in New York, we do about 120 tons of grapes, which wow. you know is not an insignificant no, amount of fruit. That's a lot of fruit um, to get to New York. Chicago's 80 tons, and you know, so we're we're we'll probably get to 300 tons of, of purchases in in 2015, and and maybe it's 100 to 200 tons incrementally every year as we wow. grow. Um, so you can't make good wine without having good 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 source material yes, and good fruit. That's true, and so. A big part of being here and, and what is for us to continue to establish relationships and further our relationships with friends and, uh, and the growers. And so that, that's, that's kind of, I guess, if you will, the strategic um, uh, value of, of being here. So when we were looking at the model, we were like, you know, there's no reason for us to try and make wine in Napa. There's so many rock star winemakers that why don't we just showcase as many as we can? So we took the tap system that we had developed in in New York, which was a way for us to both be environmentally a little friendly, since most of the wine we were making was being sold right on premise anyways, the idea of putting it into a bottle and then uncorking the bottle immediately. And in fact, we did that at Bottle Rock this weekend. And again, I don't know why more wineries don't do this at a place that you're doing wines by the glass, because the glass from the bottle is a real waste in the end when you're just, you know, especially wine that's young and meant to drink quickly. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I mean, there is an um, advantage to bottle aging if it's a wine to be For set sure. Down, that, but, but that's a different right. kind of type of wine, right? But for a wine, that, a Sauvignon Blanc that you're planning on, on drinking you know, within months of it being right. bottled, why, why not, you know, save the glass? It's a great idea. Um, you know, and it, but the world is romantic, and I love that. And people, you know, people have been reluctant to corks, you know, to to, to getting rid of corks and mm-hmm. using screw tops or the glass tops. But for a young, you know, quick to serve wine, it, it makes some sense. So, anyways, we decided let's let's push that format for that type of wine. We still have a great wine list with 400 bottles of wine that needs more time. And in fact, 75 percent of our list, I wish you know, was able to be put aside for a decade and then, you know, let us serve it because then it'll, the tannins will be soft and it'll be great. But that's a different type of wine. So you got to have a list of that. But then right. Wine by the Glass Tap is a nice program. And so we're showcasing 30 local wineries uh, on tap, which is a very unique format in Napa. I was surprised that, you know, more people aren't doing that. Yeah, there's a few spots that have some wines on tap, but you certainly take it to the next level with the amount and the, the way you display it, too, with the barrel heads. Yeah. Uh, you know, it looks like it's coming out of the barrel. Well, we, cool. when we first discovered, or I should say out of my necessity to serve wine quickly in New York, we started using the old tap system. But it, it, it looked like beer, and oh, yeah. it wasn't that romantic. And so I thought, boy, if we could just dress it up, you know, mm-hmm. behind something, then it would people would gravitate more to it. And we saw just simply putting it the barrel head against the wall, we started selling more. You really did. And when we built Chicago, I did a bar similar to, to what we did here in Napa, but only about seven barrel heads. And 70% of our wine started going through this because it was just, it was right in people's face and it felt old world. And so... Uh, 
clearly we've learned that, you know, if you dress it up properly, people will will feel more comfortable. Sure, and, and there's you, a romance to that, too. You said people like the tradition, the romance of getting the corkscrew out, but there's something about drawing wine out of a barrel itself. He said it's old world. It, it, it's a very attractive uh, notion. To I remember going right to Vanarias in Barcelona. Uh, I was there in 85, and, you know, you'd fill up a milk carton, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and get wine out of these giant barriques, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it just felt so old world. So, I mean, we're trying to bring that a little bit into it. It's cool. Now, you mentioned um, doing some charitable fundraisers. That's a big part of your business as well, is doing these charity fundraising concerts. Uh, big in New York, you do a tribute concert at Carnegie Hall with huge musicians. It goes to um, music education, music education, underserved youth. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what goes on there and maybe well, you know, what's going to happen here? I th- part of it is personal. Part of it is, sadly, you know, the state of the world. Um, I, I do believe in the old kind of... Uh, Jewish tradition of tikkun olam, which is repairing the world. Um, and the world, I can't swear online, but it is really fucked up. And, and um, you know, and, and, and it seems that there's always issues. So, you know, as soon as we opened, you know, we, we in New York, you know, there was a disaster in Haiti, and then there's a tsunami, and, you know, the weather is, even though there's some people who believe there's no such thing as climate change, whatever we are experiencing all kinds of drama and health issues so there's so much ill that needs to be fixed that uh it it just would seem irresponsible to have a space and not be able to use it to 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 help a lot of causes that's um and you know there's no question that in in conscientious cosmopolitan parts of the world there are people who want to help so there are a lot of people in new york there's a lot of people here in napa and in san francisco that are conscientious citizens of the world that have desires to help and we have a great space that is able to to help in different ways and and so putting on a show and and letting and if the artist donates their tickets uh, and proceeds. That's an easy way for us to raise money. We've done. We raised a hundred thousand dollars for Haiti in a couple of days. We did wow. uh, shows and wine auction, and there's just a lot of ways to to help. And so yeah, we we try the best we can. And sometimes it, it, there's some selfish philanthropy involved, where there's no question we're getting attention for w- the good w- we're doing, but. And even when we offered seven nonprofits here in Napa the opportunity to use our space and, and raise money for themselves, there's a little bit of self-promotion, right? We are, but at the same time, we realize it is, in the end, helping I some important... I say go for it. You know, if, that's fine. If the, if the end result is people are getting helped out, promote yourself a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. You know, that's fine. They, at least they're seeing that somebody in the community is doing something good and maybe getting praised for it a little... Um, but we give we give about ten percent of our wine production away for free to to causes. I would say if we kept a tally of the requests we get oh, for it. wine, I mean, the world, everyone would be drinking wine for free, and, and no one would be selling it. But uh, you know, uh, we we try and do the best we can to 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 you know help the world. Well, I think it's a wonderful thing, and you get some really big acts there. Carnegie Hall, I mean, hey. That's been a series. It's, we uh, Ten years now in a row. Uh, the last one was Paul Simon and it was Prince before that. And, and the Prince thing was great because it led to him 
liking our facility, so he has done some secret shows in Chicago and New York, and I'm hoping that we can turn him on to Napa. That yeah. would be really cool. Um, I'm still uh, deliberating as to who's going to be the next act. I have the date already and the contract and the deposit with Carnegie Hall for March uh, 13th of 2015, I think, already. But I haven't picked the honoree yet. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in between Eric Clapton and Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So um, yeah, tough call. Both, both would be great. All and right. hopefully I'll do both. March 13th, eh? 2015. I'll mark my calendar right now. You also do a really cool thing that started in New York called the Downtown Seder. You yeah, want to talk about that? I, sure. I had a chance to go. Yeah. You had your first one on the West Coast, and I got to go. I want to hear, um, you know, your thoughts how this came about, and then I'll tell a little bit about my experience. Well, it, it, it's kind of an insane event. You know, we we I started at the Knitting Factory for artists uh, as a as a as a as a true seder, as a chance for us to to just all get together and and celebrate Passover and 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 the themes of you know freedom and 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 bondage and and I'm going to uh, interject you don't necessarily have to be Jewish to enjoy this no I, I the think, one I went to it seemed like there's a lot of folks who were not they, oh, they just wanted to experience this absolutely I mean it's a celebration of freedom so yeah. that's certainly not owned by the Jews although some would like to claim but that's the, the not our of theme. the Haggadah the book that's read and follows the Seder had a picture of Nelson Mandela that was this year. not known for being Jewish but certainly celebrating freedom <laughs> no in fact I think some of the right-wing Israelis and would would were frustrated with some of his comments around you know the the, the uh, uh, looking at the Palestinians as as equals and and to me that's the theme is to is to set yourself back and be able to reassess the world on on this on this at at this 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 holiday so we this thing started as a true artist only event and in the first year i had lou reed and john zorn and philip glass and a bunch of the um uh sort of artists around the the, the knitting factory theme and it was great but <laughs> where how it really developed was that first year i had to serve food to about 75 musicians and i realized that with no income coming in at the door to sell tickets and and I, that I was truly going to have to go out of pocket right. and provide some food. And we didn't have a kitchen there, so I had to bring it from the outside. And me being a cheapskate and, and sort of hand-to-mouth business guy, certainly then um, even more so, I, 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 I didn't know what to do because I didn't have the couple thousand dollars to bring in catering. So I, I convinced all the artists, I was let me sell 40 tickets to the outside. That'll cover all the freight. To, to take this night out of inventory and do a Seder. And so we did that, and we had such a huge, overwhelming response. The next year, I sold three nights of the concept oh, of the wow. Seder, and, 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 and I sort of split the house half public, half you know, artists and, and, and friends. And again, sold out, and it was, it was overwhelmingly successful. But at that point, realized that you know what we're doing is kind of both half performance, half real ceremony and mm-hmm. Seder, and that some people want to uh, still be with their families for a Seder so that maybe we should do this before the actual Passover holiday so it could be more of a a, a, a preview and a get yourself all ready for, for the Passover holiday. And so that, that's when it became a, a, a what it is and what you experience. But of course, then at that year there was—I think this was like in '96, '97. Um, 
I, I got maybe a little overly commercial with that, so I got Microsoft and Real Networks as a sponsor, and I did it up at Lincoln Center, and it just went a little over the top, so I took a break. Um, we had 800 people for that one at Lincoln wow. Center, and it was called a Cyber Seder, and we had it was it was absolutely uh, absurd. Lori Anderson blew up the sound system right oh before gosh. we were about to start. Um, anyways, we've been doing it every year, and it's been um, uh, a very meaningful but also fun and and uh, kind of odd uh, ritual. It's very cool. You know, I'd never experienced a Seder like that. I went in San Francisco. You had your first one on the, yeah. on the West Coast. Uh, seeing the parade of great performers, singers, comedians. You had a juggler. <laughs> it was great. It was, it was bizarre, and I, I loved every moment of it. it well, you know, it says in the beginning of the, of the Haggadah, the, which is the book that you read to tell the story of Exodus, you should tell the story in a language that you understand. Yeah. And and that was because it was in Hebrew, but no one understood Hebrew, so you should do it in the language of, of where you are. In, in in my interpretation of that, we could do it in the language of the arts, and so people understand the the, the communication of dance, humor, and at that there is you can you can get some pearls of wisdom and nuggets of of, of a dose of reality, mm-hmm. even though it might becoming in an entertaining way. And so that was our interpretation. So we give each part to uh, to an artist to do. And, you know, having... I had Lou Reed do uh, The Bad Child five or six years in a row. And, wow. you know, and a million different interpretations of matzah or the bitter <laughs> herbs. And, you know, and some of these, you know, from Louis Black to Judy Gold. I'll never forget the uh, the 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 green vegetables this year that with, uh, was incredible the famous what'd you call her the uh well i i don't even know if we can say it but she, she porn star with a phd is what you called her and yeah. she came out with with garlands of parsley surrounding her i'll just say it, surrounding her breasts and she dipped, dipped them, them in, twice twice in salt water then shook them around <laughs> and people could help themselves after that um there's so much we can talk about we're getting towards the end this is this is nuts i do hope that the seder will come to napa i think that would be amazing I, i'm thinking uh, about it you know the the we there was a lot of interest finally it took a while in san francisco so we have to figure out a way how do we book it on a weekend so people could come up um and so but that's the plan i'd much prefer to do it in my own home than than in a rental facility so here at city winery napa would be fantastic so much to talk about so many things we could keep asking you but i do have to ask you a big question i hope you're ready i'm ready but all of NASA. That mad Never wants thing? to know. No, oh. we're, but we're, you heard about that. You've 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 listened to the show. You okay, told me I gotta get prepared so I, for I, something I, like I that. I need to know. Do you go nuts for donuts? Yes. Well, he's bringing a pink box to you right now, Michael. Oh man, I go All nuts. Right. Here I, we go. I've got a box. Oh, we didn't take the tape off it. All right, these things are tough. Here you go. Look inside this box. We have some. Are these beautiful, calorie free? There, yeah. There's no fat, no sugar. Oh, good. Um, My favorite. All I guess so. Take a look there. Wow. There's a nice Help display. Yourself. Grab wow. one of those. Whatever's right. looking. Taking the crumb. Can I take a bite? Please take a All bite. Right. And while, there you go. Not this time. And while you're nibbling on that, no, Lauren, help good. yourself. Mm. Sure. Think really about good. you know you're involved in so many things: uh, no. art, wine. Mm. You could pick a wine. You could pick perhaps uh, a show at mm. City Winery that would pair perfectly with that crumb donut. What do you think? I would say. Amy Mann. Amy Mann. Yeah, Amy Mann would go with this crumb, <laughs> delicious donut, and and certainly not that she's crummy. She's delicious. She's delicious, and and hopefully the donut doesn't resemble anything about no, the. It's just uh, sometimes uh, the donut's just a donut. It's tasty. That's and now good. it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This.
is Matlin. That's right. You were aware of this, Mr. Michael Dorf of City Winery. You knew it was coming, so are you ready to play? Yeah, this will be fun. All right. We're going to go for it. Kind of quick here. The, the beer guys are coming in. A geographic location is what I'm looking for. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Patagonia. Patagonia. Ah. I need an adjective, you know, a descriptor of some um, sort. Vexed. I vexed. seem to be, I love that word, vexed. Uh, here, a name of a radio personality in this room right now. Mm. <laughs> well, that's a hard one. Uh, what's your name again? Lauren Mule? Mole. Mole. Lauren Mole. That's a, <laughs> well, that's a first. Okay. Uh, but wait till you get to the next one. I've heard this name mentioned many times in strange ways. Name of another radio personality mm. in the uh, room. Uh, uh, you've stumped me. <laughs> <laughs> Judd Finkelstein. Okay, let's go for that. That's another first. Um, a plural mm. noun. Uh, I'm not sure if I even know what that is. Corks. Corks. An adjective. Uh, ha- uh, Harry. Harry. That's a good one. I'm going quickly here. Another adjective, and you're good at this. You're coming up with these quickly. And um, another descriptor. I'd like to say delicious, like this donut, but how about fluffy? <laughs> <laughs> fluffy. Mm. And finally, a plural noun. Mm. I'm eating this donut. It's, it's, it's really a lot of calories here. Yeah. Um, chainsaws. Chainsaws. All right, Mr. Michael Dorf. Earlier today, I went on your website, michaeldorf.com, citywinery.com. I found out some biographical information about you. Oh, man. And you've just rewritten some of it via this Mad Lips. Fantastic. Enjoy that donut. Well, Laugh along. Here we go. <clears throat> Since it opened, City Winery has become one of the preeminent concert venues in Patagonia, <laughs> catering to a sophisticated clientele seeking a distinctive locale to enjoy vexed performers. That, that's appropriate. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Some of the artists who have played to packed houses <laughs> have included Lauren Mole and Judd Finkelstein. Hey, hooray for right. us. Mm. That was loaded. That was fun, though. It came out of nowhere. The quality and frequency of sold-out... Corks, <laughs> combined with the hairy press garnered, is an ongoing validation of Michael's vision. <laughs> that hairy yeah, press that has helped it, you yeah. along. Dorf has become one of the most prolific independent promoters in New York. In November 2005, Mr. Dorf was lauded by the New York Times as one of New York's most fluffy music <laughs> empresarios. There's that word. That's, that's Empresario. Uh, mm-hmm. City Winery represents a continuous drive to bring people together and deliver a unique experience of wine, culture, and chainsaws. chainsaws. Wow. Congratulations mm. on that achievement. Michael Dorf, City Winery, thank you for being here today. Thank it's you. been this a pleasure. A good donut, too. It is. This is Lauren Mole wishing you Happy Election Day from Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.